For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. The labor movement in New York State is supporting two constitutional amendments that are included on the ballot in the upcoming November election. On this podcast, we're going to discuss Propositions 2 and 4 supported by labor and learn about what each amendment means and why they're so important. First, Proposition 2. This ballot measure would add environmental rights to the state constitution. And joining me to talk about the amendment is Peter Iwanowitz, who's the executive director of Environmental Advocates New York. Peter, welcome to the Union Strong podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to chat with you about this wonderful amendment to add the right of clean air and clean water to our constitution. Well, Peter, can you first tell our listeners a little bit about your organization? Sure. Environmental Advocates NY is a statewide organization that's been around for more than 50 years. We're based in Albany and we work very closely with brothers and sisters in the union movement to ensure that New York State has a a healthy environment so that we can have a healthy economy, one where good family sustaining uh, jobs are created as we tackle environmental crises like drinking water improvements that are needed, clean energy that's coming, etc. So, We are an organization, again, that that focuses on statewide policy change and engagement and education, and are really happy to be here today. So what exactly would Proposition 2 do? So this is a a wonderful um, amendment to the state's constitution that would add in 15 simple yet highly impactful and eloquent words to our Bill of Rights. And these words are, each person shall have a right to clean air and water in a healthful environment. And the proposal is basically a question, should we add this to our Bill of Rights or not? We think it's a resounding yes, it should be added, so that um, we have greater protections for our environment and can achieve what we're trying to achieve together in terms of you know, family-sustaining job growth. And I think some people might be surprised that we don't already have this as a right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. When, I, when I'm out there talking to the general public and um, you know, you know, getting interviewed by other media outlets. And that's the first question they ask. They stop and look and say, wait, this isn't a right already. And we say, well, as humans, you have this right. But in the eyes of New York State law, we don't have it yet. And when we started working with the New York State AFL-CIO in 2017 to bring this to people's attention, you know, it was an easy sell, to be honest. It was mm-hmm. hard to get it through the legislature, but it was an easy sell with the legislature. They said, yes, we're with you. We want to add this right. Um, and here we are today. We're, we're finally at the point where voters are looking at this question and taking action. We hope we'll get a majority of voters on this question to vote yes, so we can add it. And, and can you give me like an example of what we're talking about? I mean, essentially, before maybe government moves forward on a decision or a project, they need to take into consideration the environment, right? Is that basically what we're saying? Yeah, precisely. You've got it down well, Darcy. It's it's essentially this is that, you know, all government decision making, local government, state government in New York State will have to weigh their decisions as to whether it would um, live up to um, our right to have clean air and our right to drink clean water. Uh, really important things that are going to have a tremendous impact on our health. So it would lead to better front-end decision-making. No longer would we have a situation where government would wonder, you know, can we spend that money to bring in, you know, a firm to fix our water pipes? It will be, yes, we have to do it. How do we pay for it becomes a bigger question. But morally and legally, because of this right to clean water, we we have to create this new water infrastructure and upgrade it. So there's huge opportunities there. 
And you mentioned that right at the beginning, too. So by investing in water infrastructure and new energy technologies, obviously this could lead to uh, more jobs. Yeah, and that's a conversation we've been having with our, our partners in labor for a number of years, backing this amendment, moving it through the process, hearing some opposition. But what, what people really have gravitated to, one is we need to have this right expressed in our constitution. And if we do so, we think government will move faster to clean up aging water infrastructure. We'll move faster to create clean energy technologies. And, and because of the work we've done over the years, in those underpinning laws that, that are that are funding these efforts in New York right now, we know there will be good um, you know, union jobs created and family sustaining wages behind it because those are the requirements for water infrastructure. And now, you know, due to you know changes in law early this year, we know this is where the supply chain is going on clean energy. It's going to be about good union jobs. So it's really important for us at Environmental Advocates NY that we clean up the environment and do it in a way that we move everybody upwards. So how does this amendment compare to environmental rights in other states? There are only two states in the country. There's the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and the state of Montana that have a right like this that's spelled out in their Bill of Rights. There are some 43 total states that have some part of rights in the Constitution. Indeed, New York does for the Adirondacks. The Forever Wild provision has a little bit about environmental conservation right in it, but it's not self-executing, meaning it doesn't apply to everybody in the state and it doesn't apply to statewide. So really, there's just Pennsylvania and Montana are the other two states in the country that New York hopefully will be joining uh, with a resounding yes vote this election season. And, and so adding, go ahead, I'm sorry, sorry. And, and adding this right of clean air and clean water into our Bill of Rights that would really be important. And and you mentioned, I mean, it's it's done well in the polls. There's a lot of support for this, but there is always some opposition. Who is opposed to this and why? I've got to be frank. The only people I can see that are opposed to it are those who um, um, are polluting our air and, and poisoning our drinking water. I mean, if you're if you're not doing that, most people don't have an issue with this environmental amendment. So, um, you know, there are, there are folks out there trying to spin this myth that this is going to lead to a boondog of litigation. We have not seen that in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania nor in the state of Montana. It really has been about, you know, better government decision making that is that is leading to a cleaner environment and faster. And that's going to mean some really good jobs along the way. But it's also going to mean that this generation and every generation after it is going to reap the benefits of having a constitutional right to breathe air that's not going to make them sick or cut their lives short or drink water out of the tap that's not going to make them sick or worse. So it really is a, a strong benefit. And I, I know there are detractors out there, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm comforted by knowing not only the polling results, but just my interaction with New Yorkers all across the state this past month. People are ready. People wonder why this isn't already in the Constitution. and They're ready to, to give themselves that right. So if this passes, what happens next? Well, first off, you know, we have to take a deep breath and celebrate the fact that this is, you know, what our framers wanted, right? This is how the Constitution changes. You get the legislature to approve it. People vote on this. And really empowering you know we work in the legislative space, but you know this is that you know that one time you get to go to the polls and give yourselves this right, and then it happens. You don't have to wait for another vote of the legislature. There's nothing the governor has to do. It, it becomes part of our constitution at the beginning of the next year. Um, then all of us can go to our local governments, can go to state governments, and start insisting that they that they weigh their decisions against this new right, like they weigh their decisions against free speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, 
they would now weigh their decisions against the right of the, the New York public to enjoy clean air, clean water, and a healthful environment. So it's going to trigger better decision making in the first, you know, starting in January um, and every year after that. Well, Peter, as you know, the New York State AFL-CIO is strongly encouraging union members across the state to to vote for, to vote yes on Prop 2. Um, and just want to remind folks, too, they've got to flip over their, their ballot to see that. Um, and Peter Iwanowitz, Executive Director of Environmental Advocates NY, I want to thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah, great to be with you. Thanks so much. And now a look at Proposition 4. This has been a priority for the labor movement and our affiliate, the National Letter Carriers. For this discussion, I've invited Bill Cook on the podcast. Bill's the president of the Northeastern New York Branch 358 of the National Association of Letter Carriers. Bill, welcome back to the Union Strong podcast. Thank you for having me, Darcy. So I know no excuse absentee voting has been a priority of yours for a long time. What would this ballot measure change about absentee voting in New York? The proposition when uh, passed will allow all New Yorkers who are registered to vote the uh, right and opportunity to uh, vote by absentee ballots without providing an excuse as to why they need to vote by absentee ballot. So right now, who's eligible to vote by absentee ballot in New York State? Those who are out of their um, uh, election area um, for the day of voting, uh, those who have um, illnesses um, such as your, um, that make them un- ineligible to be able to go to the polling place, and those who are incarcerated. Okay, so this would you know, allow more people to go ahead and vote by absentee. And I think, you know, part of that is what we're talking about as a labor movement is, to, you know, you you have several people who could have uh, reasons why it's difficult for them to get to the polls, right? Whether it's just having childcare or other responsibilities or, um, I don't know, your work hours, isn't that the focus, to t- you know, just to really to expand and allow more people the opportunity to vote, to exercise their right? Oh, that's correct. The, by eliminating the the excuse requirement for an absentee ballot, you're, we will be eliminating a, a barrier to the uh, polling place. And we saw that last year in New York State when on, under emergency orders, um, registered voters were able to uh, use the absentee ballot, and they did, uh, to uh, great effect. Uh, they voted with their... Uh, with their mailbox, they decided that they wanted to vote at home. Um, and that expanded the uh, active voter list. Uh, and that's not unusual. Uh, nationwide, we've seen that happen, that when we eliminate barriers to the ballot box for the registered voters, more people will vote. It's not that voters don't care, it's just they have so many com- competing priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, my labor union, for instance, um, has letter carriers who start at seven o'clock in the morning and they don't get done until 10 o'clock at night in many locations in New York state. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't include commute times. So our, my members uh, don't have the opportunity to be able to vote by absentee ballot. So they've got to figure out how they're going to vote while they're also picking up their kids, uh, dropping them off at school, uh, providing for the families, you know, and just taking time to rest at home. 
after a long work day. Mm-hmm, right. And we're, and so that state legislation, that, that opened it up for more people to go ahead because pe- and people were, you know, it certainly sounds like it helped and made it easier for your members. But you had people who were just in general nervous about going out in public. You know, we we're right in the middle of this pandemic at the time for last year's elections and and just people felt more comfortable just for that aspect alone by voting by mail. Do you feel like it was successful? Yes, it was successful. And, and it was helpful given the fact that the Board of Elections has um, for uh, quite a period of time been struggling finding polling places. And last year was very difficult, let alone find finding poll workers who on average are senior citizens who did not want to be involved in an in-person uh, polling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, for instance, um, in my election district, I've I've now moved my polling place because uh, the previous polling place is no longer available, and that constantly happens. And as a registered voter, I stay on top of that uh, sort of thing because it's of particular interest to me. Uh, others may not pay attention, so you go to the old polling location. It's closed on election day. Now you don't know what to do, mm-hmm. and that's not unusual, uh, particularly in. Uh, in the New York City area, it was a struggle last year. So, if you allow people to vote from home, uh, the polling place is your kitchen table and your mailbox, and and it's uh, just that simple. Right, and it's just that convenience. And why shouldn't it be right? Um, right. So, how do you know how many other states already allow this? Well, twenty-seven states allow no excuse absentee ballots. Mm-hmm. Uh, an additional seven states uh, allow all mail-in voting. And what that means is that those states mail a ballot to all registered voters. And it's their choice on how they uh, cast their ballot. They can go in person uh, to uh, drop off their ballot or vote in a polling place on election day, or they can uh, mail it in, or they, or in some states there are allowable drop boxes where people drive up and and deposit their ballot in a secure Dropbox. So that's a total of 34 states. New York is one of 16 states that has uh, requirements uh, to provide an excuse to vote by absentee ballot. Hmm. So if this ballot proposal is approved by the voters, what happens next? Well, then it goes before the legislature, uh, and they... And we'll then have the ability to be able to modify legislation to allow people to vote by absentee ballot. And there are certainly several initiatives that are pending the passage of uh, this Proposition 4 um, that are well publicized. And it, but it's all about expanding the ability of the voters to have access to their right to vote. Do you have any idea what the polling looks like on this ballot measure? It's a it's a popular measure. Mm-hmm. You know, we ex- we expect a passage of the me- measure, but again, this is up to uh, the voters to get out and vote. As um, a sample of of how trends change, um, until the Democrats became the majority party in the New York State Senate. The ability to pass reforms to the North excuse absentee ballot, um, which is constitutionally based, mm-hmm. um, just did not move in 
uh, New York State. Uh, so from the 1930s, when this constitutional measure was passed uh, until 2019, when the New York State Legislature uh, first passed the approval to put the, this proposition before the voters, uh, and then uh, by law had to do it again in 2021. Mm -hmm. um, we could not move for a number of generations. We could not move this issue. Now, in 2019, 100% uh, of the Democrats in the legislature voted for moving this proposition before the voters. And 75.8% of the Republicans voted for this measure in mm -hmm. 2019. Now, we all know the politics of, that have happened about um, voter uh, voter fraud and you know the uh, claims made by the supporters of uh, and President Trump that there was corruption in the balloting uh, in 2021. Only 38 percent of the Republican legislators in New York State voted to put this proposition before the voters. No, that's interesting. So, quite a drop off. It's, we know that this is highly polarized, mm -hmm. and we see it, and we watch the news, and New York State is not immune to that polarization. Well, but in the end, it did get passed again earlier this year, so uh, and so now it's out there um, for people to, what we want them to do is to pass it. The New York State AFL-CIO is certainly um, supporting passage of this this ballot proposal. Um, but I just want to ask you, Bill, before I let you go, um, can you talk a little bit about the recent changes in mail delivery times? I think that's something that's been in the news quite a bit lately. Yes, the Postmaster General uh, did uh, change the uh, uh, service standards, uh, the time it takes for um, a customer to drop off a, a letter in, to the post office until it gets to the delivery address. And it's uh, quite concerning for us. Uh, we believe it, um, it, it damages the brand of the, the Postal Service. Um, however, uh, this is not about the Postmaster General. Uh, this is about the fact that um, 15 years ago, in 2006, in a lame duck session, the uh, Senate, the House, and the President signed into law a piece of legislation that forces the Postal Service uh, to prepay future retirees' health benefit premiums looking ahead 75 years, meaning the service was obligated to pay for current and future employees, um, employees who were not even hired at the time of the passage of the bill. No employer, no other agency is, is required by law to do this sort of funding, and it has um, driven the Postal Service to um, not be, being able to meet its financial obligations according to the law. Um, as a result, the Postal Service has had to um, contract its operations to save money where possible. And what the public is seeing now is further contractions in order to be able to meet basic obligations uh, such as paying its employees. Mm -hmm. um, and until this uh, current piece of legislation is passed through the House and the Senate and signed by the president, um, I don't foresee that these service standards are going to be able to recover simply because 
the Secretary of the Treasury could declare the Postal Service insolvent at any given point in time because Postal Service for several years has not paid its obligations uh, under the 2006 law to pre-fund the retirees' health benefit plan. Um, yeah, it just seems like so an impossible um, expectation. Yes, it's, it's never-ending. There's not an end to it in sight on it. Now, Pulsar has had, up to the point of where it stopped paying, had paid in $50 billion. Uh, and there's, that money can be used if the legislation will pass to allow the service to uh, be freed up. And we have a number of um, pieces of, legis of the legislation that's before the House, um, we're meeting with Senator Schumer and uh, Gillibrand about this, uh, hope, hoping to move this in the Senate, mm -hmm. where we currently have 14 Republican senators uh, in support of the legislation. So, so far, it's filibuster proof. Um, all of the stakeholders are in agreement on this legislation, meaning Postal Service Management, uh, the Board of Governors, um, all the Postal Service unions are in support of this same piece of legislation which means that for the first time, you know, all the stakeholders are speaking with one voice. We're hopeful that the House of Representatives and the Senate will move the legislation before President Biden in the next few months. Okay, well, that sounds encouraging, much much so than before, for sure. So then um, let me just leave you with this then. Um, obviously, with absentee balloting, dates are put in place to make sure that things arrive on time. I and mean, can you just reassure our listeners that, with, uh, you know, no excuse absentee voting that the Postal Service would, you know, be able to guarantee that the ballots do arrive on time once this passes. They're, yes, and they're guaranteeing that now. The, the, the ballots are um, treated as special election mail by the Postal Service, and there are sections in the Postal Service that watch out for these ballots. Now, prior to um, getting into the election cycle, the Postal Service meets with the Board of Elections in New York State, and their determinations are made on to what are um, reasonable cutoff times for applying for an absentee ballot so that the, the ballot uh, application, if desired, can move by mail to the Board of Elections, and then a ballot can be sent back to the voter, and the voter then returns the ballot to the Board of Elections. That has happened already, so you will see in 2021 that the Postal Service is able to provide the necessary customer service to be able to move those ballots in a timely fashion back to the Board of Elections for election night. And going forward, we'll continue to do that. Okay, great. Well, the labor movement in New York State's urging its members to vote for in favor of Proposition 4. So this amendment will make it easier to vote absentee for many who otherwise would not be able to vote at all. So, Bill Cook, thank you for running through that with us. We appreciate it. And thank you again for joining me today. Thank you for your time, Darcy. You can find more information on Prop 2 and Prop 4 on our website, nysaflcio.org. General Election Day is November 2nd. The early voting period for this election began on October 23rd and continues to October 31st. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. 
We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.